You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom, this is Gonic Literature. Tonight's shir is dedicated to the Rafur Shlema of our dear friend, Dr. Robert Appleson, Ruven Ben Malka, Rafur Shlema Meira, especially um, in preparation for a surgery that he's going to uh, undergo on Tuesday. That should be a schus for him, as he has been in many ways the reason why our group has moved into the areas that it has, specifically uh, the last year on the Gaonim. Should be, should, uh, Rabbi Shalom should uh, provide for him the right shliach uh, to be able to restore him and give him the strength afterwards to be able to return to his health and, of course, deal with any other issues that, that he might have had previously up until that point. So, Bob, uh, I hope you'll be able to hear this and recognize how much we love you and care for you. Um, we're talking about truncating the truth tonight. And many times people are dismissive of a Talmudic approach to the world, the way Jewish courts work, not just the Talmud, is based on principles and dictates that don't necessarily align with human reason and rationale and understanding. It's almost like the tradition trumps truth. And that's not really the case at all. It's a lot more complex than that sort of screed that is sometimes uh, thrown at our justice system. And the Gaonimic have a role in shaping the way the system developed. Now, the system is is organic and in many ways malleable. So even what I'm going to read you tonight doesn't necessarily reflect every single Psaktin in every single case. What we're talking about is the Umdana, meaning if it smells like a duck, walks like a duck, has feathers like a duck. It's probably a duck, even though it doesn't have the papers of a duck and nobody has indicated it's a duck, but still we know what it is. We know what we see in front of us. And therefore, um, we can paskin based on that. We can perhaps move on that. It seems to be logic. And yet, there's a way we need to tiptoe around these elements. Let me try to explain what I what I mean. Um, I'm going to start with the Rambam in Hilchas Sanhedrin, and we're going to try to discover what the Rambam um, means exactly at the very end of his uh, exposition. So let's take a look at this Rambam. Ain bezdin onshin ba'umdinadas. Bezdin does not punish, does not give out punishments. We're not necessarily talking about taking money away from people, but exercising punishments against the person's body. Bezdin doesn't do it based on what they think is just correct. 
they need Adem, LP Adem. And the Adem, of course, go through a process, Baraya Brura, that what they're saying is clear proof to what the punishment Bezin is going to mete out. Now, it's got to be so clear that even this case, which is mentioned in the Mechilta, as Pshat in the Pusik, Vinoki, Vitzadik Altara, which is part of the Pusik, Midvar Sheker Tirchok, stay away from what's a lie, Vinoki Vitzadik Altarog, don't kill someone who's clear, someone who, in a way, is righteous. He has not been found truly guilty. Don't kill him. You know, it's very clear to us. We, we know what that means. Stay away from any sense of untruth. And of course, you're not going to kill somebody who's a tzaddik. The Rambam is going to base himself on the Mechilta and develop it. Let's see what he says. Even if Adam sees someone whose clear intent is to kill another person. Ruvain wants to kill Shimon. Yisachar and Zvulin give him warning. But somehow, Ruvain is running faster than them. He accepts their hasra. They don't see him. And then he goes around a, a corner where they don't see him. Or Shimon has run into, in order to escape, Shimon has run into some sort of crumbling house, some sort of ruins that's dark, and he hopes he can escape Ruvain's wrath. But Ruvain has found him and has run in there. Yisachon Zulun have warned Ruvain, don't kill him, you can't kill him. But Ruvain is quicker than them. And Yisachon Zulun run after Ruvain. And what they discover when someone takes a match and lights a candle, umatsu harug, oh harug, they find him as if he has been, he has been mortally wounded, umifur far, it's like he's just wavering between life and death, vahasayif menatev dam, and the sword that Ruvain is holding, biyada hoireg, is like dripping blood, The Rambam in, in Sefer Mitzvah quotes this as well in the Mitzvah of Reish Tzadi. There, when he describes the, the tableau, he says there's blood in both places. Rambam says that <laughs> there's blood on Ruvain's sword and there's blood dripping out of Shimon. So what's the din? The is Yisachar and Zvulin did not see the actual blow. So Ein Bezdin Horgan Vedazu. Yisachar and Zvulin can come to Bezdin and say what they saw. Bezdin will not kill Ruvain. the Other cases it says al Incredible. That would be seemingly what? Come on. Where's justice, right? You can imagine what would happen if this would be, you know, a, uh, a George Floyd type of incident, if this would occur, right? And someone would say, what? There's, you don't have witnesses? Isn't that enough? 
So before we continue in the Rambam, um, and, and, and this is based really on the Mechilta, that the Rambam is basing himself the Mechilta on that Pasek, the Rambam in Sefer Mitzvah explains it. Why? And I think it's worthwhile to see it. Again, we're going to get to the Gaonim eventually. You'll see. Now, the Rambam in, in, in the Sefer Mitzvah makes it even clear that Ruvain was known to hate Shimon, as he says. And he says, so no, Ruvain hates Shimon. And it's clear Shimon is just trying to save him. Says You shouldn't say, oh, this makes no sense. You shouldn't say, how can this be? How can you have a din like this that you're going to let Ruvain off and Ruvain won't be punished by the Bezdin? Why? Because there's all possibilities, right? There's possibilities. Some of them are very, very strong probability that they occurred. The way things were with Ruvain, the aggressor, and Shimon running, Ruvain with the knife, Ruvain holding the knife, all of that, it's almost 99.57% is that what happened. But sometimes, mayhem, Rechoke of Shoros. Sometimes the, what occurred, if you think that it's not so clear that's what occurred. And sometimes they're in the middle. The Rambam puts it in his own unique way. The possibilities are very broad. If we would say in the case of the Mechilta, well, what else could have happened? Oh, there is the possibility that Shimon fought. Shimon grabbed the knife. Shimon became the aggressor. And Shimon was about to stab Ruvain. And then Ruvain flipped the knife back to him. That could have happened. And Ruvain could have tried to save himself. And could be Shimon decided he was going to kill himself. And know that Ruven would be blamed. Could be Ruven was in that, uh, that that dark ruin and said, Shimon, are you going to apologize? You going to apologize? And he says, Yeah, I'll apologize. Put the knife down. Ruven puts the knife down. Shimon grabs it and says, Sochan's wound will be here soon. Uh, there's not much more life to me anyway. I hate life. I'm just going to stab myself. Ma! And he stabs himself. And then Ruven says, no, Shimon, I know I didn't really want you to die. And then Ruven grab takes the knife out of Shimon, and that's when Yisachar's will show up. Now, could do you think that really happened? What are the chances of that happening? Very small, but it could have been. They did not see the knife go in. So if you're going to say that, look, 95, 99.5, Five eight percent that that's what happened was Ruven killed Shimon. So you know what might happen if that's what we're going to say. If that's going to be your standard. 
then you're gonna the next dayan is gonna go a little bit further. Then the next person will take it a little bit further, the Rambam writes. And it might even go even further than that with another court. We'll use what happened in this court as precedent to assume even more assumptions, what we call umdana, based on what we assume happened. It'll turn out that the whole process has been ravished. And people will sometimes be killed with just very little assumptive, uh, presumptive evidence. Well, there seems to be evidence indicating that, right? The What is it called? It's called, you know, it's the, um, the evidence seems to point that way, right? It, it seems to indicate that. Just based on the judge and the judges and what he thinks. Circumstances seem to indicate that. We don't want that happening. Therefore, God closed that door. The witnesses have to say they know for sure that Reuven stuck the knife into Shevain. Below Suffolk, it's not something which they didn't see and they assumed based on the dripping blood. Now, you're going to say, but look look what you've done now. You have this rule that has now created a situation where you're letting people off the hook. When you know they are clearly, I mean, based on all logic, you would say they are murderers, right? Like O.J. Simpson, right? Right? Yes, you're not going to decide based on what seems to be a very strong probability of what we imagine happened based on what happened before and after. Okay, what's the worst that it could be? Hine tachlis mashiyya, the Rambam says. The worst of what this could mean is shenifter hachote, that the person who has sinned is off the hook. But if we let it go the other way, what would happen? God knew it would be a slope. And eventually, there would be Judge Roy Bean. Each one would decide the way they wanted. And they would, based on circumstances, based on what it might appear to be. And what will happen? Someone who is innocent will be killed. It's got to happen. If it's going to be left to our assumptions, based on circumstance, Innocent people will die. Not all the time, but they will. And therefore, the Rambam writes an incredible humanistic statement. To let a thousand go, it's better and more desirous than killing one innocent person one time. So even though our system allows thousands off the hook, we know that we have not killed an innocent. 
an innocent will not be killed. That's how the Rambam learns Pshat in the Pesach. Vinoki vitzadik al taharog. Don't allow that to happen. Have a system that never allows death to occur to someone who might be innocent. Because don't worry, I'm going to get the guy. He will atzik Russia. Because even though the Russia, in many ways, is going to be let out, God will have His way of taking care of him. We trust in God in a sort of over and above method to be taking care of the people that the Bezdin lets go. So that's when it comes to Dine Nefoshos. However, if we continue in the same Rambam that we started with in Mishnah Torah, the Rambam says, however, but Dine Momonus is different. Dine Momonus, when it's not about actually injuring someone's body killing them, taking their life away, there, you're allowed to use your mind, Mr. Judge, to paskin based on what you think is true. And you know it's strong in your heart. Your gumption tells you, your common sense tells you that this guy shouldn't get the money or this guy is the right person. Even though the evidence doesn't justify your assumption. That's if he has a gut sense, if he has a hunch, if his, his instincts tell him. And for sure, if he knows by some other means that the case is correct, even though the evidence isn't there in court, you can paskin that way. Shudan, he's able to paskin, based on what he knows. And the Rambam gives us example. Now, why is a person because uh, he admits to half, right? Ruven says to Shimon, you owe me a thousand dollars. Shimon says, wait, 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 I paid you 500. I owe you 500. So the din is that if Shimon pays, the Shimon can get away by paying 500 if he takes a shvua. Right? Many cases, Chazal instituted shvua. That's a shvua daraisa. The other shvua is the Rabbanon. The Gemaras are full of them where a person can take a shvua. You have an aid echad against the person that he owes the money. If he takes a shvua, the eight echads, evidence is eliminated. So basically, if a person takes a shvua, he gets off 50%, maybe even 100% of what the claim against him is. Some person whispers into the ear of the judge of this case. Who is this person? Someone the Dayan has been friendly with since high school. Someone the Dayan went to college with. Someone the Dayan knows from davening next to him in the minion every morning. And he knows this guy never told him anything that was wrong. And he says, listen, Dayan, I know you're in a case with this guy. I happen to know that he would take a false shvua. You don't care about God. Normally, the assumption is people are scared of taking that Sefer Torah and swearing they have a certain almost primitive um, uh, superstition against, I 
can't take a false shvua. You might steal. You might put your hand in a guy's pocket, but to actually swear, no, 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 that you're afraid. It's like you versus God, as opposed to you and the person. But there are people who don't care. They got used to it, and they'll take false shvuas all the time. And Dayan can say, I know that the normal procedure is that Shimon can take a shvua and therefore not necessarily have to pay based on the testimony that Yisachar has said. However, I'm going to rule in this case that Ruvain should take a shvua that he definitely gave Shimon the $1,000 and has not been repaid. And if Ruvain takes that shvua, Ruvain will get the money from Shimon. That's my psak. How did he have a right to do that? It's not in the Gemara. Yes, it is. Based on the Gemara in Ksuvis, the Gemara says, Because the Dayan knows that the guy, his friend from Shul, has never lied. He knows him from day in and day out. He's been in his house. They're friends. He knows that that guy would never say Lashonara about someone if it wasn't true. He must know. And therefore, the Dayan doesn't have to say how he knows. The dying can just imperiously declare that and be on the right side. Even if it's not his friend in Shul, even if it's his wife, even if it's his friend's wife, or it's his Eved. He's an Eved Kani. He's not even a true 100% Yisrael. But he happens to say to him, I'm telling you, Master, I've seen that man. And he has taken a false shvu. He don't care about it. Because the Dayan feels it, because he knows, he says, my Evan never lies to me. The way he said it, I'm sure that this man doesn't care about his shvua. And since the Dayan feels it in his heart, that he knows it's true, so Mechalov, he could say, you know what, I, I, I'm going to use you, Vidon. And that's if he hears it from someone else. If he happens to know himself, he happened to overhear him take false shuas. He happened to be walking by the window of, uh, of, 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 the, of the men's room and he heard him saying, oh, I'm going to take a false shua, whatever it is. This is a case of a shua. What about a star chov lofonov? Here's the dayan. It's called the Dayan Spencer. So Dayan Spencer, Shtar Choyv, has appeared in front of him. So Spencer has, William says to him, or maybe it's not William, maybe it's Myrna, Afilu Isha, or maybe Koroiv, or maybe it's Michoel, his brother. He says to him, what? Look, I know that uh, Clark has taken uh, this star against Leslie, telling you, I don't know why Clark still has the star, but Leslie has paid Zeparuahu. Hmm. So, if Spencer really trusts William, or Myrna, he says, you know what? Myrna tells me that that was paid. She somehow knows. Myrna never lies. I trust Myrna. You could go ahead and tell Clark, look, I know you have the star against Leslie. You take the shvua that he really owes it to you. Or, let's say, Spencer 
is dealing in court. And there's a number of cases. So here's the star of Clark versus Leslie. There's a, hmm. Or let's say Clark against Humphrey. So he could say like this, you know, um, there's two cases here. And even though the first star that was presented to me, Spencer says, was the star of Clark against Leslie, I am going to say that we're going to deal with the second case first. Clark against Humphrey. Let that star be paid. And the first star, he's going to say, I'm not dealing with that case. But that case came first. And Clark is saying, wait, there's more money here for me to get from Leslie. I don't care. Clark, you have two staros. The second star is the one that I'm going to say needs to be paid. I'm not dealing with the first one. Or what he might do is say, I'm throwing it out. Even if there is no second star, he might say, I know you've brought the star. You've come to me, Clark, in order for to, to use Besson to collect against Leslie, who says he doesn't owe the money. I refuse to deal with this case. Why? I'm not telling you. He doesn't have to. And Clark is going to be frustrated. What happened? Spencer heard that the star was paid up. And therefore, Spencer feels that's the case. This will not happen. Besden, even though it's a place to go to, to get Mishpat, he knows, based on what he's heard, that Leslie has probably paid up. and Therefore, he doesn't have to explain why. Case closed. Okay, so let's say Edgar comes and says that either James has died. James didn't leave any uh, actual star of what he owed and what was owed to him. But James's kids are holding on to everything James had in his house as their inheritance estate. Sorry. Edgar comes and says, I gave James a Fabergé egg to hold on to. Edgar describes it. It's a Fabergé egg, and it says February 1949, right on the top. Hmm. Now, and we know that Edgar generally did not go visit James. He wasn't part of James's friends who were invited over that might have happened to see a 1949 Fabergé egg sitting in the uh, bookshelf. So, Spencer, who's dealing with this case, says, If he happens to combine two things, first of all, how did Edgar know? Unless Edgar himself placed it there and asked James to take care of him. The other thing is, I know that James is not wealthy enough to have a Fabergé egg. He was a, he worked in the, he was a lumberjack. He worked as a uh, a longshoreman. 
he didn't really have enough money to, to have an item like that. And therefore, Spencer assumes that even though James's children say, yes, there is a Fabergé egg that their father has had for years, Spencer says, I don't think so. So even though normally we are extremely defensive, protective of children that inherit, we take it away from the children. We give it to Edgar. Because Edgar was able to describe it. So we could take him out of possession and say, look, this man is coming. It, 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 why el- how else could he know? He hasn't been in your house. He's not the type of guy who goes to your house. He's not part of your father's social circle. I believe him. How could he do that, though? Where's the proof? Possession. Chazaka, says the Rambam. Because that's what a case is. What does the Dayan believe? He has to pass him based on what he sees, how the case appears to him. He sh- we assume that he is of this type of moral, metal, and intellectual rigor. Shehu did emes that this is the truth. Hmm. This is the truth, and what do we need this whole system for? In Cain, why does the, why do we need the system of Edus? What is that? You know why? Because the Torah decided that two people coming and telling us the essential same story, that is enough for the dying to use where he doesn't know what's going on. Where he knows it based on his guts, his instinct, what he's heard, based on what the way the situation smells and everything around it, we don't need Adim. But where he's blank and he doesn't know, where he doesn't know if they're telling the truth or not, the Torah says you must believe them. You don't know anything wrong about them, you accept them. That's what justice is essentially built on. So how did it change? What happened was, new bote dinim arose throughout Eretz Yisrael and Chutzlar, it's in Bovel and other places. And they didn't have the honesty, the integrity and even if they were honest and good-hearted people, but they hadn't learned enough to have that wisdom, and to not just know, but to smell what was going on. As Rav Yoshev, would sometimes say when he would sit in, in, in Bezdin, in tremendous, huge cases, he would say, I smell a liar here. Things changed. People didn't have that sense of understanding, the wisdom that they needed. So therefore, there became a klal. It changes 
you need to have, you can't do the sh- business of flipping the shvu, you need real edus. And now, if a, if a woman tells you that she thinks it's paid, it doesn't work. And everything else that he wrote about. He can't base himself at all on what he thinks is right. Even though that's the way it should be. Even that's what the Torah wants. There was an agreement by the Besden system that that should not be the case anymore. And today, we would not allow Edgar to get that money from James's children. has nothing to do with how wealthy the guy was or what, whoever the guy is. We're not going to do it. The only thing that we have now is if one person who we know is a sterling reputation comes and gives testimony and it looks like so what should the Dayan do? He can do he can't actually do what he said before. We don't do that anymore. What he could do is slow the din. He could say, hmm, I need to think about this. Hmm, let's see. Well, even though you're only one person, we, the court will consider what it is you're saying. And he has a right to go and stall for time and speak to the other people again. And, put, and therefore get them to own up get the uh, the children of James to say, okay, you're right, you're right, dad never had that. In other words, talk to them again, ask them again, have them repeat their story, until one of them will admit to what that person says. Or another option you could do, which doesn't go against the Haskoma. Now, the riff quotes this same principle, although not in the beautiful, expressive language that the Rambu stepped in and didn't want it to be the system the way the Rambam explained it, that the judge would have that free reign based on what he felt. However, even after the Gaonim clamped down, the Rambam says the Dayan can, in a way, push things towards what he thinks is the truth using his legal mechanism of stalling, talking to the various parties, hoping, or he could say, hmm, okay, you're not going to admit to him? He could try to encourage a pshara, a compromise. Or what he could do is, yistalik minadin. What he could do is just say, I don't want to deal with this case. So that you're allowed to do even after the Haskoma, even after what the Gonim had impressed. As I said, the Rif, and actually the Smag calls it a Takana of the Gonim. The Rif in Ksuvis writes, Chazinun Lugoin de Komar. 
A dying can no longer say, I think this is the way it is. I get it. Because we're not sure what the old situation was. That's the way the riff brings down the Goinim. We we are mimicking the great judges, but we're not exactly sure because a lot of it was, as the Ramam said, subjective. Therefore, we don't have a record of how it was done. Now, the Rambam makes it a lot clearer. The Rif just says, we don't know what Kimle meant. The Gemara says, a dying has a right to say, Kimle, I know what was going on here, and the case is not, we're going to throw the shoe on the other guy. On that, the Rif's version of the go, and whoever it was, said, well, we don't know what that meant, and therefore we have to change things. The Rambam gives it a lot more of a historical basis that 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 the way things were lent itself because of the lack of wisdom, the lack of understanding, the lack of Torah knowledge, the lack of general smarts to a situation that would be a, a miso. In the Shita quotes the Gaonim, She'ein lonu lodain should yididayne. That's where the Dayonim sort of figure out who the person would want to have given the gift to. There was a Shkiv Meira, and there was a question of who he wants to give the Matana to, which party, the one he was closer to, if the Shtaros contradict each other. We don't do that today. Why? Because that type of carefulness and you know, sort of gut sense, we don't necessarily have that ability today. That's what the Gonim said. Again, we can't do what previous generations did, the Gonim said. And the Rabbeinu Yona writes, we can't be Mahara after them. If they said it, they said it. And even though we'd like to think we have the smarts to do it, this was a Takana from the Gonim. The Rambam took it so far to um, say that it applies to Yisomim. However, uh, the Sma writes in Choshen Mishpat that when he researched this, he found that even though the Rif, Rabbeinu Yonah, although he didn't see it in the Rush, they mentioned the Gaonim's Takana, it's only in a case of Ashtar Chov, and two people arguing with a shvua. But they didn't mention that by Yosomim. So therefore, since Yosomim, always, even though we want to protect them, don't really know what was going on. I mean, that's the assumption, especially if they're young. James's children don't really know what James was doing. They just opened the door to the house after James died. So therefore, the Sema says the Takan of the Gonim doesn't apply to Yosomim. That's what the Sema says. Of course, the Rambam writes that even from the Yosomim, uh, Ein Mutsiyun. Rabbi Yosef Cairo, in his parish on the Rambam, the Kesef Mishnah, says that, well, the Sema is right. He doesn't mention the Sema. He says even though the, the Gaonic material doesn't seem to be connected 
specifically to the case of the Asomim, but go with the rationale. They said, we don't use our gut common sense anymore because there's Bate Dinim that don't know what they're doing. So any single case would be the same. And the Shulchan Aruch Paskans like the Rambam. Machlokas and the Achronim, whether perhaps we should accept the Sma or not, Rab Chaim um, Ben Venishti, um, the uh, Rabbi Yosef Titrani, that says that if there is a clear svara, um, it's not just what's in the guts of the Dayan, but there's a clear svara to indicate that the object didn't belong to this Yisoyimim. For example, James was, was dirt poor and couldn't afford that Fabergé egg, so we should paskin even after the Thakana Sagoinim to allow Edgar to take it from him. Rabbi Yaakov Reicher, one of the great poskim of the beginning of the 18th century, writes that even though the Goinim made this Takana, that we don't use Umdana, what about if there's more than one Umdana? What about Bamokam Shayesh Umdana Israbis? And what about if it's not just his guts? What about if he knows for sure he's an expert in this generation and he's the biggest in the generation? And we know about him that he's So there's a couple of different proofs. So he said that even that would be allowed despite the way the Shulchan Aruch paskins. And for that, he quotes a number of different achronim. Um, the Rabbi Yaakov Reicher quotes achronim before him. The great Alshech, Ramesh Alshech, the Vodius Arkashuni. Um, that Piskechuv, that Shvus Yaakov is brought in the Piskechuv and Choshen Mishpat. The Rachashulchan mention it, mentions it as well. So this is something that uh, is really relevant, even of course today. Um, how much, what would be the correct type of psak? Now, I haven't even gotten to the other factor, which, of course, is an umdana based on what our eyes see, whether it's DNA evidence or evidence of a, of a baby that clearly looks like, you know, the father or doesn't look like the father in terms of you in this respect. And by the way, we've mentioned about the Maisim Lebnei Eretz Yisrael. Some say that this is was printed in the Sefer HaMaisim, or this was written, some say this was written in the Sefer HaMaisim Eretz Yisrael. Misha Kiddush Nara Besula Bikidushin. V'hoyesham Nar Echod B'chotzer Nichnas V'yodse L'toch Beisa Shal Nara. So here's what happened. Clark was Makadish Vivian as an Arison, not Nisuan yet. And it happens to be that Leslie, the boy, happens to live in the neighborhood. And Leslie happens to have gone into where Vivian was while she was supposedly in Aishasish waiting for the waiting for the chuppah. Now, before the chuppah could happen, Vivian is pregnant. Vivian claims that Clark has visited her and impregnated her. Clark says, look, she's my wife, 
but I have been, I've done what our rabbis tell us to do. I have not had sex with her. Hmm. Now people are saying, hmm, Leslie. Leslie's the one that's been seen coming into her in, into her yard, hanging out with her. Hmm, but no one ever saw Leslie sleeping with her. Well, it was up in the air. I'm not sure if she, she stayed married to Clark or not, but then she had the baby. And when the baby was about a year old, hmm, the baby looked in his features similar to Leslie. That was the question. So here it's a little bit different. Here, there's physical evidence indicating, right, that who this who is the father of this baby. So the Gon's pa the Gon and Paskin like this, and this was either from the Gonim or from the Bene Eretz Yisrael. Kahua Maisa, Mevino son with Neadayonim, Arusa Vishkaina, Shanakshadimo. We get Leslie and Vivian, and we say, look. And we get Clark, and we say, is it true, Clark, although she was your wife, that you, you stayed away from her? What do we know? Is that true, that you never really went and stayed with her and were alone with her? Hmm. Now, if it's true that Leslie has been hanging out with her, what we could do is beat him up for hanging around a married woman. And if she admits, as she sees Leslie getting hit, for doing a preachistic thing of hanging around with a married woman, and she says, "Yes, I love Leslie, and it's Leslie is the father." And the only reason I said afterwards that it was from uh, Clark was because I was afraid. If that occurs, so what should we do? So first of all, <laughs> obviously, um, he gets makos for what he did, and the child is considered a mamzer because she admits. So here we see that the Gaonim, at least these Gaonim, and maybe they were from the Bnei Eretz Yisrael, did in a way use sort of technique to get to the bottom of things. Um, in a way, they used the umdana of the way the baby looked to get them to adopt a little more um, uh, unorthodox method. There's no edus. Normally you assume that who's she going to have sex with? She'll have sex with the man she's technically married to. But since the baby didn't look like him, that gave us the right, that umdana, sort of like to sort of shift things in a way. So as much as we have one statement saying the Gonim wanted everything to just to truncate the truth, it's a little more complex. Which Gonim, where, when, all some of these things are speculative. But it seems to me that as we saw before, 
uh, it would it, it would be hard to say that truth has been completely eliminated. Sounds like you know, like Alman Yisrael, that the the Gonim understood that we need to still allow the Dayanim to be able to get to what is really going on. Sometimes using somewhat of an unorthodox method. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.